to I Quantified, an SEO podcast. I'm Casey Massara. On today's episode, we'll be discussing organic traffic declines with Wayne Chahansky, Vice President of Search Strategy here at iQuanti, a global digital marketing agency. Welcome, Wayne. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. This is an exciting new platform, and uh, yeah, this is a hot topic, so great to dive in. Definitely. So right off the bat, how do you pinpoint what's causing your traffic decline? Well, it's interesting, you know, after um, being in this industry for a very long time, I'll date myself a little bit uh, doing this before Google actually even launched. So about 27 years ago, uh, kind of starting, there's, there's a lot of changes in the algorithm. And as we look at those changes, a common question always arises. And that question is, my traffic declined, it dipped, what happened? How do we fix it? And actually, when you work with enterprise SEO, surprisingly, you'll even get the question asked, well, my traffic increased, why did it increase? Now, as an SEO practitioner, we're typically excited and, and thrilled, and we don't really want to question why did it increase. We just take the win and, and move on. However, there are still some answers in there. So let's take a look at traffic in itself. What actually triggers traffic? And this is going to be applicable whether it's declining or it's increasing. But obviously, the common use case to solve for is the traffic declines. With that being said, I'd like to say that there are, this is really simple. It's a complex topic, but it breaks down into three simple levers. The first one being rank distribution. And I'll get, I'm going to go into detail of each one of these. But yeah, rank please. distribution. Then the second one is going to be your search volume or your demand. And a third one is going to be your CTR. Now, these are all going to work differently, uh, and any one could be the problem or a combination of all three. But at the end of the day, it's just these three that are actually causing traffic to either go up or to go down. Got it. So let's take a, let's take a look at the first one, the rank distributions. Now, this is the common, most viewed upon type of I guess, performance metric or KPI that my rank changed. I lost ranks, so therefore traffic went down. It's an easy one to equate. However, what's more difficult is to say, well, did my traffic go down or did the conversions change, but my traffic maintained the same? What actually caused the traffic to increase or decrease as it relates to ranks? So one thing to kind of level set and understand is that ranks non-branded and branded ranks from number one placement to number 10 placement on Google SERP has a different CTR value. And that click-through ratio is going to just kind of determine what is how much of that traffic is driving in each one of the positions. So for example, a common foundation that we need to to set here is on average, a non-branded term for first position yields about 18% CTR, where second position, it drops to about 10, 10 and a half, 10.9% CTR. And then all the way, once you get to fourth position, it drops all the way down to four, or excuse me, 5% CTR. And when you get down to the 10th position, it's less than 2%. It's like 1.8%. Now this is average and every brand has a different CTR curve where that's a little bit different. But even with this knowledge, we have to understand that rank, the position of the rank matters because of the CTR that it's pulling. So if your position, if your keyword had always been in number one placement, 
you were getting that 18 to 20% CPR value. But if it dropped to fourth position, your 20% or 18% that you were getting is now down to 5%. So they're right there, the mathematics tell you that you're going to lose traffic from going from 18 to 5%. Yeah, that's so a pretty look, dr- dramatic drop, huh? It is, it is. And this is also something when we look at elevating ranks, you know, going from fourth position to second, 5% to 10%, you actually can double your traffic with just two rank movements. Wow. So what we want to look at when we look at the ranks is what ranks actually drop. And branded terms actually have a higher percentage up in the 39 to 40% for a top number one ranks for a branded term because the intent is behind that branded query and that listing is, is matching that. So when we want to say, okay, that the ranks have dropped, what actually drops? We look at pre and post the traffic period of time. So if you had a traffic drop last month, what we'd want to look at saying, what were the ranks for the pages? Not your whole footprint, but we're going to look at the pages that had a traffic drop. And every page has got a set of keywords that it ranks for. So what we want to look at is for that particular page that had the traffic drop, what were the keywords that used to be ranking and compare that to the keywords that are now currently ranking? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I understand. Do you have like a real life example that we could kind of pull from? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. If you have a page, let's say your your one of your product acquisition pages, maybe it's your credit card page or your life insurance page or something of that nature that it's driving acquisition. It's going to rank for both branded and non-branded terms. Your branded terms are going to have the product plus the brand name as a modifier, where the non-branded terms will just have the non-branded terms and not the modifier. So in our case, a branded keyword would be Iquanti. Yes. Yada so yada. If we had, yep. Like we have our Alps platform, which is a product for search. And if Iquanti's Alps, that term, that's a branded term. However, a right. search, a predictable search platform, that's a non-branded term. So if, and, and that page should rank for both, right? So when we look at both branded and non-branded, typically it's very difficult to lose branded share of voice unless there are others that can offer that same relevancy with the same authority that you have, which is, is a challenge. So most of the declines happen in the non-branded space. So I'll focus the attention there for a moment. And when we look at that footprint, we're going to compare the pre- to the post of the keywords. And what we're looking for is just how many are an exact match and did anything change? So it's a very simple lookup between the two tables on that chart. And what we're looking for is, did the ranks, did you used to have a number one rank for term like life insurance or SEO, whatever that term happens to be with high search volume and all of a sudden now it's no longer in that position. So if it was in first position and now it's in fourth position, we know that your CTR probably went from about 18% down to 5%. Now, if you multiply the CTR by the volume, so if a term has got, let's say, 165,000 in search volume per month, so any, any keywords got monthly search volume behind it. 
And now we know the pages and we know the, the keywords. So if the keyword that used to be in first position is now in fourth, and it had 165,000 search volume, you used to get about 30,000 in traffic from that position, which is the volume times the CTR rate. So it can get it very mathematical traffic. figuring these things it out. Can. It can, but the really nice thing is math is very binary. It's one of those yes. few things in life that's black and white. So there's not a lot of gray area in this and it's really easy to calculate. Mm -hmm. So if you took the 165, times 18%, it gives you 29,700. However, if you take the 165 times 5%, which is dropping from first place to fourth position, your 29,000 visitors drop down to 8,000. So now you have a traffic loss of 21,000 that made up that page. Wow. Now, if that's the only number you're trying to solve for, you've just solved the equation and you can stop there. But typically, it's a little bit deeper than that. But what we're looking for is how much did these keyword drops contribute to that overall decline? So let's say that you had 25,000 in monthly traffic that you lost. And we just calculated this one keyword get lost to 21,000 of that 25. So now we have solved for the majority of the problem. There's still an additional 4,000 in traffic that's not balanced or solved for and we can mm -hmm. keep looking deeper for that and so in that case it's got to be one of our other three factors right it does so when we look at this we talked about rank and if when that rank drops your obviously your traffic's going to drop now one of the key indicators of that was we took the volume of that term at mm -hmm. 165,000, and we multiplied it by the ctr rate well what if this month it was 165,000? But last month, it was 201,000 in search volume. So now, let's say the data says, hey, the keyword, we used to be in first position. And this month, we're still in first position. Nothing's changed. Why did my traffic go down? Well, now, if you look at the search volume, you can say, well, your keyword went from 201,000 search volume to now 165,000 search volume. So even in a top position, in a number one placement, you at 201,000 search volume, you'd get 36,000 in traffic. And we just said that if that was at 165,000 search volume, you're down to 29,000 in traffic. So right there, yeah. just by the search volume, which is made up by the consumer demand, we lost approximately 7,000 visits per month, still maintaining a number one position. Our rank mm. never changed. So when we look at this and say, okay, our ranks are solid, we haven't moved anything, but our traffic keeps declining, then you want to look at this search volume. Now this can be compounded. Let's take that first example where the rank dropped from first to fourth, and then the volume also dropped from 201,000 to 165,000. Now that is a compounding issue. So not only did you lose the rank position in the traffic, but you lost the search volume, which means the demand has dropped as well. So that will make up the extra difference that you're looking for. So ultimately, sometimes you lose traffic because you're losing rank, but other times it's because demand is going down. And sometimes it's a combination of these factors. It is. And then the third one, remember we said 
to calculate traffic, you take the search volume times CTR, and the CTR is representation of your rank position. So number one gets 18%, number four gets 5%. Right. However, what if your CTR, you're not getting 18% in the first position? So now you have a scenario where you can say my rank position is still number one. It was number one last month. It's still number one this month. It was 201,000 search volume and still 201,000 search volume. My traffic went down. So how do you solve for that? Well, if you look at the Google Search Console data, you're going to see that the CTR for that particular keyword most likely has fluctuated and changed. The 18% that you were getting before might have dropped down to 12% just by sheer luck of consumer behavior. And we're experiencing that a lot with COVID and post-COVID type of actions here. But in general, it can be any behavior that just doesn't have a good sense or logic to it. But that's your third variable, that if the ranks stay the same, the volume of the terms stay the same, but CTR changed, that's going to affect your traffic as well. So is there anything you can do to combat a CTR drop? I also just want to interject here. You know, I know our listeners will probably be wise enough to to know what CTR stands for, but that's click-through rate, correct? It is, yeah. Your click-through ratio is how many times that somebody clicks on that listing. So you may, impressions is how many times it's seen. Search demand is how many times the consumers actually search for that term. And then your click-through is, is how many people click on it. Now, to combat it, that's a difficult question. You, to combat click-through ratio, the only two items that show up on Google Search Engine Results page, otherwise known as the SERP, is your title tag and your meta description. Mm-hmm. And actually, we don't really control a meta description as much as we used to. Google will possibly read it, and they may take a paragraph or a sentence out of your first paragraph and do what they, they want to do based on okay. their own algorithm. So these two variables, title tag and meta description. So what you could do is you could start, you could test your CTR with that. But I caution this with a warning that the title tag is still a heavily weighted primary attribute to SEO. So mm-hmm. it's going to possibly change the value. So if you're in a number one position, changing your title tag could actually do you detriment and drop you to a number two or a number three position. Ah. So we want to be careful of that. Now, I'm a little plug for the Alps product that, that's with iQuanti. That platform actually does some predictive modeling, and I can actually forecast whether the change in that title tag will have a negative impact or a positive one or a push as neutral. Really cool use case for that. Yeah, so but that can be a very helpful tool for, for our listeners, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a complete game changer when you're getting into this type of surgical level of strategy with this SEO. Now, if you don't have that, one thing that I could suggest doing is look at your paid data. Paid campaigns, you can actually do a lot with. You can test it and drive traffic to it. And you can mm-hmm. take the existing title tag, run that for a period of time to get a baseline data, and then change to the one that you think that would be better. And at that point, if it still has the same SEO elements and value, but is pulling a stronger CTR rate in paid, it would make sense directionally that you'd have a stronger correlation in organic. 
Now the, the, the conversion mm -hmm. or the click-throughs are not going to be the same. Different audience types, all of those things with paid and organic. But directionally, right. you'll know whether that had an impact or not. So to recap, three levers for the traffic. Rank, search volume, and CTR. Typically, mm -hmm. it's a combination of all three of these. Easy to take it, and this is at a page level. Again, remember, this is not at your whole domain. We're not looking at the entire footprint. Your analytics are going to show that pages A, B, and C had a drop in traffic. Those are the only ones you're going to look at right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're going to look at, did the ranks change? Did the search volumes of those keywords change? And did my CTRs change? For example, I have a, a weird case. I ran data for a client, and this is actually kind of how I discovered some of this was we did a deep analysis and their positions were identical, the rank positions. They were in number one placement for several of the keywords. Search oh, volumes okay. hadn't changed. And we're racking our heads trying to figure out, well, why, why is traffic down? We actually found that the data, for whatever reason, sometimes in some months, the second position actually yielded a higher CTR than the first position, huh? which was an anomaly. It, it's not supposed to work like that, but there are some things that can influence that. So schema is a great example. Schema is the markup. It's not a ranking factor, so it's not going to help you move up in the ranks. However, it does help to become a catalyst to your CTR. So for example, we've all seen the little stars for the reviews, right? So right, if you're looking at something, yeah, and how many times have you looked at, uh, I don't know, anything that you're looking to buy, and you have the top three results, and the second result or the third result has got 600 reviews, and it's a five-star rating. Mm -hmm. The other two results have no reviews. Have you ever gravitated and clicked on that third one over the first one? No, definitely not. <laughs> I'm always looking at the highest reviewed yes. <laughs> products. Right. So when we look at those reviews sometimes that can pull a higher CTR rate as well. So my advice to anybody with schema is add as much schema as applicable to your page. It's not just the reviews, but go to schema.org. It's the industry-wide, the only one of the very few things that has the same code across any platform, CMS, any versioning, spiders, crawlbox, all of that stuff. So look at all the different item types and wrap as much schema around your content as possible. Because you never know when Google's just going to test something, like the answer box or the people also ask. Those are also influenced by some of the schema that is wrapped around there. You have FAQ schema item types. So mm -hmm. the more that you can tell Google what your content is about and what box or container it should fit into, the better off your website is. You're trying to communicate not only to your audience, but you also have to communicate to Google and the, the programmatic bots how it's interpreting all of this data. Got so it. when we go back to CTR, all of a sudden you have top three listings and you see this a lot in the local map pack for local search. And one of them's got a lot more reviews or it has the review stars and none of the other ones do. We subliminally click on that because our subconscious tells us that that, that's a value add to us, that okay. there's something beneficial to that. So right. schema is like a little bit of like a wild card in, in terms of how this can, can play out with your other factors, yeah? It is, yeah. So not every page is going to have applicable content that makes for good schema, but I would encourage 
encourage you to look at your content needs on that page and say, do you have abilities to embed different schema? Can you actually create content on that page that you could embed the schema row that could help you into the search? Now that could be for a movie listing, it could be your movie times, for a product, it could be the, the review or the price, quantity available, it could be the color or the t-shirt, or it could be a credit card, it could be an offer that you have. There's a lot of different things that you have mm-hmm. in the schema.org, but all of these, if it shows up on the SERP, can actually influence and give your behavior, consumer behavior, a little bit of a boost over your competition. Got it. That's all very helpful advice. And, you know, you mentioned the factors you should be looking at. So what tools do your clients use to get the metrics around these key factors? So when we get into content, really, we this comes back to mapping the keyword and the intent when we, we're, we're kind of getting into a, another segment, which I'm, I'm sure we'll have a, a nice good podcast <laughs> with as well. But yeah, just a, a little preliminary on that is uh, Google is all about intent. The consumers and the customers uh, is all about intent. So it's interesting. We talk in complete sentences, but for whatever reason, when we get to the computer, we all of a sudden became an expert in shorthand, and we don't even talk like a a normal human, right? (laughs) So it's left to Google to try to interpret what is it that you're actually asking for. There's a question behind every query, even though we don't formulate it as a question. So, for example, personal loans. You type in personal loans into Google. What is the intent? Do you want to get one? Do you want to know what they are? Do you want mm-hmm. to look at a, a APR rate? I mean, what is it about a personal loan? It's a very vague term. Right. It's a highly competitive term that people are, are really sought after because it has so much volume. What's interesting is if I was to tell you and say, okay, now type in the word payday loans. It's the same two-word derivative. It's actually in the loan family. Mm-hmm. Why would they be different? But a payday loan is going to actually trigger a local map pack. And the local map pack means that there's local intent behind it. So those two words, even though they're very similar in nature, the intent is quite different. So coming back to intent, it's really critical to understand the intent. Mm -hmm. And then you can start building content around that intent. And when we build content, we want to make sure it's answering all of the questions that have to do with that intent. And... The minute that the intent shifts or pivots, that's the key indicator that we should probably roll out and spin up a new page or that content belongs on a different page. You want to keep the intent very focused. But when you do that, you're going to have really high relevancy signals and you're going to have good schema opportunities. And that will influence not only the rank from the content relevancy, but the schema will help influence your CTR rates. So this trick actually works. We talked about the decline, but it also works when profit goes up. Why did it go up? You mentioned earlier that, you know, you've seen the COVID-19 pandemic influence things. Did COVID change or shift a lot of these intents? You know, there there has been some shifts in intent. There is a shift in more research done. There's more people at home, more people kind of living and breathing on a computer. The consumer behavior with the conservative money spending habits have shifted. So people are a little bit more reserved at times, so they'll do a little bit more research. And those indicators of behavior should actually help drive your strategy. 
that maybe your down funnel terms that are, are driving your products are not the only thing that's going to drive your traffic or some big brands that mm-hmm. rely on only their branded traffic now is missing some of this audience of these people doing research of this mid and upper funnel traffic. So you got to look a little bit deeper into where that journey is, is kind of going from top to bottom mm-hmm. to make sure that covered. Got it. So, one interesting fact when we talk about the, the traffic going up or down, here's an interesting mix too. Let's say that traffic went up, but my conversion rate went down. Okay. So now I'm really throwing a loop in here that we were trying to solve for a traffic decline. But what happens if the conversion rate declined? And when you look at the data, you would normally say, oh, that's great. Well, I mean, that makes sense because our traffic declined. And if we still hold the same conversion rate at 3%, whatever the traffic is, it's going to, of course, have the same drop in conversions or our lead generation. Right. Well, not necessarily. So if traffic, what happens if traffic went up? but your leads or your conversion actually went down. So now this one has people usually pretty perplexed on what happened. And here's a trick to solving this one. One of the first things to look at is look at the keywords again that used to rank versus the keywords that are now ranking. Uh Now, this could change. And it doesn't mean, let's say that you had three keywords at 100,000 search volume each for the page. Mm -hmm. You have 300,000 total search volume. Now, you don't have those same three keywords. You have one of the keywords, but you lost the other two. But you picked up two more, and the two more each have a search volume of 200,000. So you actually have 500,000 in search volume, where before you had 300,000 in search volume. Okay. So now we have more volume, and that means more volume equals more traffic. Right. However, not all traffic is equal. And what I mean by that is if the three keywords that we used to have were very down funnel, very purchase oriented, the intent is to make a, a buying decision, and that mm-hmm. 300,000 traffic was converting at 6%, and now all of a sudden you go to the new makeup, and the three keywords you have is a total search volume of 500,000. But the two keywords that you picked up, you lost two that were down funnel and you picked up two and maybe they're upper funnel, that they're, they're very generic in awareness mm-hmm. and consideration. Meaning the intent of those keywords is that people are not ready to buy. Mm-hmm. So your traffic went up, but the buying signals actually went down. So therefore your conversion rate on that page was no longer six or 7%, it dropped to 2%. And you're saying, well, what happened? My traffic went up, but my conversions went down. So when we look at the keyword mix, that traffic quality could have changed based on the different audience segmentations that came through. A very, very important factor there. So not all traffic increases or decreases are created equal, basically. Yeah, they don't all have the same value, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at getting more traffic, of course, the correlation is, you know, more traffic times, you know, whatever conversion rate equals more leads. Mm-hmm. But there is some traffic that's going to be higher intent with higher traffic. Like we mentioned, branded traffic right. has a 39% CTR value. Mm-hmm. Well, if the majority of your keywords were all branded, 
and all of a sudden now you lost that, but you picked up five new ones from them, Brandon. Well, the intent is different. So the conversion is most likely going to drop. So this is a great way to kind of problem solve your traffic diagnosis of what's happening. And when you look at it to this granular effect, but again, mm. it always comes down to three, three different levers, keyword distribution, rank distribution, and that will get into the keyword mix, your search mm -hmm. volume, which is your consumer demand and your CTR for that position. So that's a very helpful insight onto how to deal with an organic traffic decline. And just before we wrap up, I'd like to talk a little bit about recent Google updates. So I understand that Google recently announced that it's delaying its page experience update, which was originally scheduled for mid-May. Oh, and, and for wow. transparency's sake, we're almost to mid-May as we're recording. And they've pushed that back to mid-June. So how can SEO folks expect this to impact their sites when it does happen? Well, you know, th this is very similar to mobile getting. If everybody kind of remembers that, you know, that the mobile uh, <laughs> mobile first indexing, were, you know, how that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got to look at what Google's primary principles are. And as long, I still remember the day Google launched, sadly to say, kind of dating myself here. But uh, <laughs> they, they had a very simple mission statement. They want to deliver to the consumer the most relative result to the query that has the most trust signals, the most authority, that is, is the best decision, the best piece of content, as quick as possible. Now, this has not changed in the years. The algorithm has evolved, things have shifted, some of the, the stuff that SEOs used to do to manipulate it, those don't work. It's It comes down to the same mission statement, though. So when we look at web vitals and mobile page speed, Google believes, which, you know, as we look at the data, it's probably not any secret here, that the trending face forward type of integration and engagement with a user is not so much going to be the desktop. You know, it's going to be more of a mobile experience. And when we talk about mobile, we have to kind of expand this thought too, that mobile doesn't just mean our cell phones. Right. Mobile means our automobiles. Mobile means our refrigerators. Mm -hmm. Mobile means our coffee machines. I mean, this is like a whole new age, right? That where we're looking yeah, at we're this stuff. Yeah, we're living in the future, basically. <laughs> right. You know, finally, my best show ever, The Jetsons, are, is coming to life. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when we look at this, it doesn't surprise me that Google wants a quick response from mobile. In a way, it's almost a regression. Mm -hmm. uh, again, dating myself, I remember when the old dial-up modems came out and you would get a 9,600 baud rate modem was like mm -hmm. one of the first and then you got the 4800 and then the 9600 and you just get all of these kind of faster type of baud rate modems and we had to do things back in web development that would blow your mind that we would have to take a single pixel and copy it and have it tile itself across the whole cell instead of creating a, a background image and the wow. reason we did that was to make it super super fast we mm -hmm. didn't have the bandwidth and that one pixel was less than even a K of data. So it loaded very quickly. In a way, we're kind of regressing, as I mentioned, back to that period where that Google knows that mobile devices, sure, they have broadband, or excuse me, the desktops have broadband, but the mm -hmm. mobile doesn't. We're 4G, now we're getting 5G. Eventually this will pick up and, and kind of, we'll get the satellites and we're, we're gonna get faster mobile speeds. But mm -hmm. right now we're, we're still kind of where we are. So Google wants this fast 
interaction. And with the web vital update, just like the mobile first indexing, these are mm -hmm. key indicators that Google's just living up to their own mission statement. So as long as you're aligned, and this is, this is really important because a lot of big brands do some heavy stuff. Their code is what we consider uh, bloated, code bloat. There's mm -hmm. a lot of unnecessary code. We have a lot of scripting and third-party attributes, and we do a lot of testing, and we do personalization, all of this stuff, but it all weights down your, your load times. So mm. the web vital is just another indicator to say, hey, let's get your act together. Let's get your page to load quickly. Give the consumer what they want in a fast experience and make that engagement positive. So then rolling it out, I'm sure that has to do with not so much on our end, but it's complicated how Google is going to actually adapt this. How much weight and value does this go into? Not everybody has got all of the resources of big brands and, and the development budgets that they do. So how does the small mom and pop still compete on the SERP with mm -hmm. the big enterprise companies? So all of these are, are considerations with that algorithm. But yeah, to, to answer your question, it's delayed, but it's not going away. So look at your web vitals, look at your page speeds, make that sure that stuff is loading quickly. Good rule of thumb, desktop scores should be two to three second loads times. And mm -hmm. when we look at loads, the best thing to do is work backwards. If you're developing a website, create a load budget. 3,000 milliseconds is a three-second load time. Every element that you put into your, your page is going to take away from that budget. Just subtract it like it's currency. And if your image that you're trying to put up there is 400K, that's a large part of that budget. Do you really mm. need 400K given away to that? But at the end of the day, if you can stay within that whole build out of that page and get that to load in three seconds or less, you're in a winning equation. That's great advice. I'm sure any small business owners and large business owners can appreciate that currency metaphor. Absolutely. So I know we got technical, we got crazy, we got into the weeds, you know, but... Um, That's what we're here I, to do. I, yeah, absolutely. And, and anybody listening, write to me. Email me, email the Quanti team. I will answer more questions. We'll get into details. I can look at what you're trying to do. This is good stuff. This, this has saved the day in so many areas, and it helps you pinpoint exactly what the problem is. The last thing that you want to do is start doing what we call hope marketing, and that is <laughs> making a bunch of changes, throwing it, and hope something's going to work, right? Yeah. That's not how to do SEO. So let, let's do it the right way. Give our industry a good, strong name, and uh, we're here to help. Sounds great. Wayne, thank you for taking the time. Do you want to plug your any contact information or social media or anything like that before we hit the road? Yeah, sure. My LinkedIn profile is Wayne, W-A-Y-N-E, and last name is C-I-C-H-A-N as in November, S as in Sierra, K-I. So feel free to connect to me there. You can see me on Iquanti's webpage, or you can email me direct at uh, Iquanti, which is Wayne.Chansky at iquanti.com all right awesome thanks again and uh, i guess we'll close it out with saying you've been iquantified love it all right have a good day until next time